0: Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Welcome again to another podcast of Loving the Christ Life. Today we are very excited because we're changing things up a bit to bring you a little more each week of Warren Litzman's great teachings. And by doing that, we're going to be in the archives and find these great, conferences that Warren did around the world for many years. He recorded them live, and today we're going to a live conference he recorded in South Africa. It's the Excellency of the Knowledge of Christ from Philippians 3, eight. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get right into it. Here's Warren.
1: Now, if you will, take your Bible and turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Our theme during this conference will be the single line in the verse we're going to give as a text, the excellency of knowledge. It's verse 8 in Philippians 3, and the verse simply reads, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. That will be our theme during this conference, the excellency of the knowledge, the knowledge that has to do with Jesus Christ. You see, dear friends, we live in a world today That is troubling our minds. Jesus Himself said that in the last days there would be troubled times upon this earth. Our world today is in great trouble. Our world is literally out of order. So we're all having to change our minds and change our ideas about what is truth. How to live. There's not any of you dear people that were Christians 30 years ago that still are able to live in a world a Christian culture as you did 30 years ago. The world has radically changed. So our world is out of order. And for your information, it'll never come to the order that we've known in the past. What is today is going to stay and probably will worsen tomorrow. So I'd like for you to get that thought first planted in your mind that you're living in a world that's out of order and it's never going to change. There's a second thing that has to do with Christian people and that is we're living in a world where Israel, God's appointed people to rule this world, are not in their rightful place. If you're going to come to the knowledge that has to do with Jesus Christ living in believers, you're going to have to do something with Israel. Because Israel occupies in prophecy and history four-fifths of your Bible. And if all you study is what has to do with Israel you never come to be who you are. So that limits your study of the Bible to a very small portion of God's Word. Just one-fourth of Scripture. In fact, it's a little less than that. And those are the Scriptures that are given to us by the Apostle Paul. If we're not able to separate four-fifths of the Bible from one-fourth of the Bible, we'll never grow up in Christ. And it's my purpose to talk to you about these things and that I hope to do. But Israel's not in its rightful place. Another thing, the devil's not in his rightful place. He's already been prophesied to be bound a thousand years during the millennium. And after the millennium, he's going to go into a pit for the rest of his Existence or non existence. But he's not in his rightful place now, and he's doing all he can to discourage, destroy, and hurt human beings. The last point I make on this is that the church of Jesus Christ is not in its rightful place. The born again believer's citizenship is in heaven. We're not where we ought to be. We will soon be there because we are the next event of God to take place. There'll be no more Calvary's, no more days of Pentecost. There'll be no more dealings with Israel. The next great dealing with God will be to get His birth children off this earth. That's the next event. But we're not in our rightful place and so we, we struggle living in this world with, prompt, with uh, the problems that come out of this world. And we're not able to function like we want to function, like we think we can function, like even the Scripture says we'll function. So we take most of our Scripture from what was said to Israel and try to apply it to ourselves. We're a different people. We can't do that. None, none of that applies to us who are born again. But we try to do that, and so we have confusion and frustration when we attempt to do this. I've made these remarks to you in the beginning of this conference because it is a fact that nothing is really in its rightful place today. When you study the Scriptures, you have the tendency to take the Word of God and try to make it fit in our day. We try to get scriptures that will make us feel better about our lives, our health, our families, our world. But it's important where we find these scriptures. Because we have to go to the scriptures where God speaks to us definitely. Where does He do that? Even if you are a Jew here today, once you've been born again, you're no longer a Jew. You're God's offspring. You're God's child. You're no longer a chosen people. You're His child. You know the difference between that? Israel is a people God chose. He never birthed the one of them. But when you give your heart to the Lord, you now are a birthed child of God. That's different. You have to change your mind about your thinking on who you are. The purpose of the Christ life is to get Jesus Christ firmly fixed in your mind as to who you are. The fact is... The only salvation you have is Christ in you. You may not understand that. But that's the only kind of salvation the Bible offers. He doesn't offer you a salvation that comes by mechanics. It doesn't come by things that we do in religion. Salvation comes by a person. Paul says plainly we're saved by his life. Well, how did I get his life? He has to be in me. Christ in me, therefore, is my hope. That's my glory. That's my salvation. Well, I've got to change my mind a number of times because I'm living in a religious world that tells me that it's what I do that makes me a Christian. That it's where I go that makes me a Christian. It's what my doctrine is that makes me a Christian. That's not so. All of that may follow afterward. But what makes you a Christian definitely is that another person was birthed in you. You were rebirthed by another person becoming your life. Isn't that simple? No, it isn't. Our minds can't handle that. Our minds can't handle that. So we're going to be studying the one man who first got a hold of that idea. It was given to him personally by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ called him and told him one day, this is what I want you to tell the people. We now have what Jesus told him written for us in, in letters, the epistles, the epistles of Paul. We now have that written for us and given to us. And so I want to emphasize to you today that life will not work out for you or me until we get a mind to fit what God did when we got saved. You see, millions of Christians have died and left this world and never knew Jesus Christ as their life. More millions live now who have accepted Jesus as their Savior, who haven't the slightest idea of what Christianity is. Christianity is not going to a Christian church. Christianity is not reading the Christian Bible. All these can be good things, but that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is another person living in you who is absolutely nothing to you until you give him a mind. So you have to see how important your mind is. When you got saved, there was no change in your mind. You had no change there. Same old mind. You went to the altar as a drunkard and God saved you. And a few people, he took away the desire to drink. But most of them got up and said, I sure need a good drink after this. You see... There was no change in the mind. God had no miracle for the mind. And so we're going to take a good look at that during this conference and to see exactly what Christianity is. Christianity is not something you join. Christianity is a gift of God for you to be a new person not an old person made over. All the religion you and I have known in our lifetime is a religion of correction because that comes from four-fifths of the scriptures. Why? God was always having to correct Israel. She was in trouble all the time. And if God were dealing with Israel today, He'd still be correcting her. And when He takes up with Israel again in the millennium, He will correct her again. But you're a different breed of people. You're different. God has no intention of correcting you. He put another person in you, and He's dependent on that person to be your life. Isn't that simple? He's dependent on Christ to be your life. That's what a Christian is. He birthed Christ in you. The moment you were saved, you were rebirthed. We use the term born again. (coughs) We're familiar with that. The world doesn't know what to do with people who say they're born again. Why, if they really knew that the born again relationship with God was another person in us that was birthed, they really would be excited. But you see, the world's never known that about us. They've never known that another person lives in you. How many of your relatives know that? Does your next door neighbor know that Christ lives in you? That you're not living like Jesus. Christ lives in you. Does anybody know that about you? See, the world doesn't know what a Christian is. Well, sooner or later we have to come to grips with where the problem is. The problem's in our mind. It's in our thinking. It's in our soulish part. We're spending all our time trying to get our souls saved when we already have the everlasting life in us. That's what I want to talk to you about. These things can make a lot of difference. So open up your mind. Think as if the Apostle Paul stood before you and said, I've just heard from Jesus what is the latest word about human beings. I just just heard. And he told me to go tell you. That's why I come. That's why I go around the world finding groups of people that don't know what a Christian is. And all of them are Christian. They all have Jesus living in them. They've all been rebirthed by God. They are all the offspring of God. They all lack for nothing. Christ is their life. Christ is their hope of glory. But most of them don't know it. So there comes a time when we have to deal with the part of us that has kept Christ from being alive on this earth. We've got churches, people in buildings that are alive. We've got preachers on television that are alive. We've got all sorts of life, extraneous life. But the Christ life is generally unknown. So I want you to go with me. I'll minister to at least four different groups of people during this conference. I don't want you to categorize yourself. But my message belongs to Everybody. Everybody. One group of people I'll minister to here are those who have long been led of God to these truths. That I didn't come along, tell them anything. They've had the Holy Spirit working in their life, and they knew all along that they didn't live anymore. It was Christ who lived in them. And they had made the effort, had put forth the effort to make that their lifestyle. So these are the people that don't need buildings, don't need preachers, don't need programs, don't need doctrines. They know where Jesus is. He's in them. And they learn daily from the Holy Spirit to live his life through all of their actions of life, whatever they do. Thank God they're here. These people will be confirmed by what is said in these meetings. And we need a lot of those. There's another group of people that'll be here and that'll be the people who are hungry to know God. Thank God for them. I think in our world today there is a lessening in the hunger to know God. Somehow we live in a world of books and television and radio and media religion to where we think we got it all covered. You can just go into a bookstore today and Whatever it is you don't know, somebody's going to tell you all about it. But this saps a hunger out of you to know God because the way you get to know God is from His book with your face open to the book, seeking Him, seeking to know Him. It isn't your need that's most important. And that's why most Christian people now turn to the Scriptures to get their need met, standing on the promises. But that's not what we need. You really need to know Him. What is it in a human being that can sit in a religious environment all of their life and think they know God who created the world? I was chasing a bug the other day at my house. I wanted to step on that bug. I'd like to get rid of bugs. And the thought came to me, here a bug can occupy my attention, my time for a moment and my intentions to get rid of it. And I thought that's kind of the way people's lives have summed up. They need to do something constantly to make their life better. I missed that bug, but I got another one. (laughs) Because there's always another bug. (laughs) There are people hungry to know God. They live daily with that desire. Because they already have in their mind the thought that if God could make bugs like that, that are stronger and smarter than us at a point, if he can bring the stars out every night, if he created this whole atmosphere we're living in. And I tell you what turned my mind to this thought I'm on right now is when I discovered that if you could take the most powerful telescope that has ever been created by man, they claim to have it in uh, California on a hill there, If you could take that telescope and go to the nearest star and aim that telescope down to where we are, you couldn't find us. You couldn't find Earth. We are so far in the depth... Of God's creation, that human beings have no understanding of God. When I thought about God's creation, I thought, boy, we sure don't know this God very well, do we? He's our Father. He's our Father. He rebirthed us, we're in His family. We're going to live in his house one of these days. We're already in heavenly places with him, or should be, or could be. But we don't know him. A fellow said to me today, why is the world so full of troubles? Because we don't know God. Somebody's always saying, I've got more troubles now than I've ever had before in my life. Why now? I've served God all these years. You never got to know Him. You don't know Him yet. And then I look at another place that is far greater than me trying to find earth from the nearest star. And that's to take a look at Calvary. What makes any of us think we know God, our Father, by looking at the cross? First thing we think of when we see the cross, oh, praise God, he died for me. But the thought of how God would take his most priceless possession and kill it for me is beyond my comprehension. I'd like to know more about this God who is personified love. I'd like to know him. You ever have a thought you want to know God? Well, how are you going to know him? You can be in a church building all your life and never get to know him in this regard that he had planted his seed in us and caused that to be his son who is our life. You can live a lifetime and never know that. I don't want you to live like that any longer. I want you to know what a Christian is, what this book, the Bible, says a Christian is. Well, there's another group of people who will be here, not only those who are hungry to know God, but there'll be a group of people here who have begun to catch the truth of what the Christ life is. As they say in the south of the United States, they have a smidgen. They've got a little glimpse into this truth. but they're still hung up on their identification. We'll deal with that some during this conference, your identification. That's who you think you are. See, All of us here today have an idea who we think we are, or you have an idea of who you are. Mostly it's who we think we are, because none of us are really what we think we are. See, God knew all this from the beginning. I always say that he had a real bright thought when he took two people who didn't know who they were and told them to get married <laughs> and try to be one. Well, that meant that out of the two, one had to come forth. That's what marriage is. We have a hard time finding that, don't we? I mean, in our world today, Divorce is more popular because they couldn't find that oneness between them than it is or supposed to be. Well, we don't want to lose our identification. But what's happened in our personal identification of who we think we are is that when we became Christians, we didn't make any change in who we think we were. We made no change in it. Still, same old thought life, same old soul, same old heart, same old will. We were the same soulish person after we got saved. That's in our thinking
0: what an amazing thing to be able and go back and listen to Warren Litzman live in some of these great conferences he did around the world and that's what we're going to be doing each week bringing you more and more of these we're going to cut it off for today but next time we'll join right where we left off and we hope this is going to be a blessing to you it's wonderful to be able to go a little longer and go deeper into his teachings we want to thank Robbie Litzman of course she allows us to go into the archives each week and is allowing us to dig deeper now. Also, we want to thank Valerie Hill, who does our Twitter account, Tammy Laycock does our weekly podcast reports. And Teresa Ferraro is our producer each week for the Christ Life Fellowship. Don't forget to go into our website. It's a new one. We've just redone it, and it is really good. I think you're going to love it. Christ-Life.org. Christ-Life.org. Look around. Find out more about us and the In Christ message. I think it's going to change your life in a positive way. And I know it will. If you go into that bookstore, look at some of Warren Litzman's books, videos, tapes, things that you can build your own library with and study more and more of this in Christ message. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life.